Welcome to Up Next. I'm Gabrielle Boucher, millennial author and entrepreneur. Each week, I bring to you next generation leaders and millennial game changers to inspire you to change your world. Let's see what's next. Welcome to The Stream's new podcast, Up Next. Again, this is Gabrielle, and today I have a very special guest with me. Typically, we have someone on the show who is an expert in a field who I've been introduced to, or it's someone who I've met with networking, or it's someone relevant to what's going on in the news, and we really strive to talk to the up-and-coming leaders in our generation. But today, I took the liberty of having a personal suggestion for who to have on the show. Today, we're going to be talking to Brian Boucher, who is my husband, yes, but he's also a best-selling author and the president and CEO of a company called The 60-Day Author. I want to bring Brian on because he is an expert in storytelling. He's an expert in helping others become storytellers and turning their passion and their story into impact. Just last week, someone came up to me and they said, you know, Gabrielle, how do you do this? How do you keep writing books? I'm on my third right now. It's coming out August 22nd. It's called The Millennial Entrepreneur, Side Hustlers, Startups, and Disruptors Restarting America. I'm so excited for it to be coming out. But here I am on my third book. Writing books has completely changed my life. It not only launched my company, but it's really created an opportunity for me to find my calling and and pursue that which God has put on on my life. But it's so interesting being married to someone who teaches people how to become best-selling authors because I've seen people's lives transformed as soon as they have author as a part of their title. So I wanted to bring Brian on to help you understand how to write a book. What's the power behind being an author? And what kind of stories can you be telling in your community, in your church, in your career? Welcome, Brian, and thanks so much for joining joining me and my audience. It's great to be with you guys. So what is so important about writing a book? Why, why should anybody write a book? Well, I'll tell you, everybody inside their heart, their mind, they have a purpose. They have passion. They have gifts. They have talents. And at the end of the day, what a book represents is the external expression of that. It's the external expression of impact meant to help others, guide others, teach others. That's what a book is all about. And if it's not just about that, it's also about personal discovery. It's about honing your message. It's about developing credibility behind what you say. So a book, and as you well know, is it's about getting your message from the inside and putting it on the outside for the world to see. Now that sounds a lot easier when you're saying it, but what is that process actually like? How do you sit down and just start writing? I mean, the idea of writing a book for most people, and even admittedly for myself, when I decide I'm going to write another book, it's like, wow, where do I start? It's that, you know, blank page syndrome where you're just staring at it like, I know I have something in me. How do I get it on the paper? That's a daunting task. Anybody who says that when they sit down to write a book for the first time or even the second or third time and says that, ah, no problem. Uh, is, is, is a lie. It's, it's a, they're total liars. It's a nightmare to write a book, right? That's how we usually feel. That's how we usually approach large writing projects. Many of us have felt that way, you know, going all the way back to when we were in school, the big paper was like, geez, this thing is hanging over my head. But at the end of the day, it can be done. 
And there are good, focused, tactical ways to get a book done, honestly. It, 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 you have, the academic world teaches a way, a style of writing that actually gums up creativity. My approach is much more of a single-tasking approach that actually doesn't start with research. Mechanically, it just doesn't start with research. What we seek to do, and what I tell authors to do all the time, is seek to get out, to get what's in their head out first, get that onto the page. It's much more of a free-flow style of writing in the beginning and then cleaning it up at the end. Is the process the same if someone were to write a fictional book versus if they were going to write something that was more of like a how-to or motivational or even a devotional? Well, generally, the way I teach writing, especially just the writing component, you know, there's so there's so many other components to becoming a best-selling author and 90% of it's marketing. But if you're just talking about completing the project, I teach a Q&A method, a Q&A method that says, Write down as many questions as your audience would ask you, that media personalities would ask you, that your friends and family would ask you, that you would ask of yourself. Write down every question you can think of on the topic. Don't try to answer any of them. Don't do any research. Don't do any research at all. And ask every single question that you can possibly ask related to the title and subject of your book. Now, you just asked a very important question. Does that work for somebody who's trying to write a novel? Does it, it, does, it, does it work better for somebody trying to write a how-to or a self-help book? Arguably, I think the process can be applied to both because if you think about it, if you're writing a novel, if you're writing something that's fiction, you still have to answer questions. You have to answer questions about the character development, the setting, the plot, the resolute. You've got to do those things. You still have to answer questions for the reader. And if anything, it allows your mind to freely create and freely think. Maybe storyboarding is helpful, but at the end of the day, you still have to answer questions for your readers because, after all, readers have questions. Or they have a reason that they picked up your book in the first place, and that was to do probably one of three things. Solve one of their problems, satisfy one of their needs, or restore their brokenness. That's it. And so if you don't answer the questions that they came asking, it's pointless. I love that you brought up the, the Q&A method because that's something that I learned directly from you and it completely transformed the way that I write everything, whether it's a blog post or an article or even, yes, a book. This idea of a Q&A method is a really easy and intuitive way to be able to get your thoughts out on paper in a way that's natural because sometimes it is intimidating to look at that white page and think, how am I going to format it? And then you're just the perfectionist perfectionist as you're just going in and making sure that everything sounds perfect in the first draft but sometimes you just have to get it out there on the piece of paper and then clean it up afterwards and the Q&A method is a really great way to to get that going so right now you're working on a book with Jonathan Seidel who is the editor-in-chief I am second he's been a guest here on our show we loved him here and you guys are working right now on a book about about storytelling and the power of stories. But as you're in this process, because you're in the middle of it right now, and I'm just going to tell you for, for listeners out there, writing a book isn't pretty. I mean, I wrote my book. Brian and I got married in November. I started writing my book the next month, and it was just like lots of yoga pants and oatmeal, right? Like I didn't go out. I didn't see a lot of people because I wrote it in a month and a half because I had this focus that I wanted to get it done. And it, it wasn't an impossible task, but with anything, it takes focus and it takes zeroing in on things. 
But with you, I mean, you're, you have a successful startup. You're, you're very busy and you're writing a book again. Is it different this time as you're writing to be able to manage your time? It actually is pretty difficult for any author to manage their time. Um, I, I, whether you're a mom, uh, a startup owner like uh, myself, uh, time, time kind of just disappears on you. And the problem that most people have is not that they don't have time, because we all have time. It's, it's a matter of where we put our time, right? And it's a matter of whether we make it our priority. I, the reason I teach writing the way that I do is so when you do sit down to write, it's effective. It's quick. Instead of 500 words an hour, it's north of 2,000 words an hour in terms of the drafting process. And that the Q&A method allows you to just sit down and answer just one question at a time, maybe 10 questions at a time, whatever you have time for. It's actually the method we work with is actually very helpful to folks like myself, like yourself, people who are busy, people who have other things to do but know they need their voice to be heard. It's for me, I mean – yeah, I'm in the middle of a startup. It's my my I've had I've gone from zero students six months ago to hundreds of students now on uh, in, in my new company. And um, time is time is short, but I know that the message behind it is worth it. And when it's worth it, and it's meant to change people's lives and meant to impact them and guide them then it's a, it's a priority and it's a priority I'm willing to set aside time for. Do you think that it's different for someone in their 20s? I mean, here on the show, we we really target the up and coming leaders, people with a story, people with, you know, this passion to change the world, kind of that youthful fire. And I think a lot of people our age in their early 20s can get intimidated by even going out and, and feeling like they have anything to say. You know, that, that false idea that you have to prove yourself in some way. You need more letters behind your name. You know, need more years on the job. You need something, you know, fill in the blank before you're qualified to write a book. But do you think that it's more important for someone in their 20s to write a book? Or do you think that some of them should wait a few more years? I don't think they should wait at all. And the reason is, is that I think... I think there's even more reason in your 20s to write a book. If even at a minimum, it's just to discover who you are and your purpose and your passion and your gifts and your talents, even if it was just a personal discovery mission. But it can be for so much more than that. See, we are taught backwards. I think the paradigm that that you have to go out there, you have to have years in a seat and a cubicle somewhere before you have the credibility to say anything, or you have to read a bunch of other stuff, and then somebody then peer reviews you and dubs you somebody is with something, some kind of message to say, I think it's wrong. I think it's backwards. Because if we believe that we have a creator that made us, that gave us, gave us our voice, gave us our message, gave us all of those things, gave us our talents, gave us those things, then why would we turn our heads, look to the left and right, and seek to find what everybody else is saying, read enough of it, spend enough time in it, and then hope we have something valuable to say when at the end of the day, we already do have something valuable to say? Now, does that mean you don't do research? Absolutely not. I'm saying do it in the opposite order. Declare your expertise in the area it will be in and figure it out. And eventually... And eventually, through the writing process, you will know more than anybody else on the subject because you declared it so, 
You did the research later after you put everything that was in your head on the paper first, and then you became an expert as a result of saying, I'm going to do it, and I'm going to figure it out, and your voice becomes respected. Now, this is reminding me of a conversation that we had just this last week with a very good friend of ours, right, where we were talking to her about getting into this new industry. She really wanted to be become a consultant. She really wanted to have heavy influence in a really great way. I mean, she's so passionate and so skilled, but also feeling like she needed to have some sort of expertise. And you and I, I mean, without blinking, we're like, write a book, obviously. And she felt like, no, I can't do that. You know, but it was through this process by the end of our conversation, she goes, yeah, I, I totally, I can totally write a book. I think we have these, uh, these ideas in our head that we have to you know, get a publisher, we have to, you know, have someone come and approach us, how dare us, you know, go out and write a book on our own. I mean, there's almost this like false humility in, in ex- expecting people to come to us when in reality, each of us have a unique message that is supposed to get out there. And, and I believe that we're doing the world and God a disservice when we're saying that we're too young or we're too uh, inexperienced or we're too whatever to actually go out there go out there and do it. So I completely agree with you. I totally set you up for that question, by the way, that everyone in their 20s should look into writing a book because it's a journey that they not only learn about whatever topic they're writing on, they become an expert in it, but they learn about themselves. I've learned more about myself through the writing process of now three books than any other journey. Perhaps maybe starting a company is also pretty introspective, but it's such an interesting and amazing journey where you learn about focus. You learn about you know, how all of your experiences and insight can really congeal and come together in a really beautiful way. But for those of our listeners out there who are thinking, okay, Brian, I, I get it. I've, I, I've had a book on the inside of me. I've thought about it a whole bunch of times and I don't even know, I don't even know where to start. Where would you suggest that they start? Well, it doesn't start with writing the actual book. Where it starts is a personal discovery of your purpose. I owe it any any time I ever work with an author, and I just I just say they're authors. People say they're aspiring authors. One day they'll do it. One day this. That's it'll never happen. It'll never happen. Only one percent of people who feel as if they want to write a book will ever actually finish writing a book. What's that number again? Did you say one percent? Only one percent of people who feel that they want to write a book will ever actually finish writing that's the book. That's insane. One percent. That's that's a pathetic number of how many people who say that they're, they want to do something actually make it happen. Well, and compare it to this, compare it to this north of right north of 80% of people in America feel as if they have a quote book on the inside of them. That's not saying they want to write a book. That's saying 80 plus percent of people feel as if they have a book on the inside of them. If traditional stats are true, only 1% of that 81% will ever finish. Only 1% of those people will finish. So it first starts with saying, I am an author. Just like it's just like saying, I am an expert, thus I will go figure it out. I am an author, thus I'm going to figure it out, instead of, I hope I finish. It starts there. But it also starts with a personal discovery of your purpose. Your purpose lies at the intersection of your gifts, talents, and passion. And when you apply your purpose to a need, a problem, some kind of brokenness in the marketplace, that's when you find fulfillment. It's when you find the most opportunity. It's when you see the most financial gain. 
it, it, it's, it starts with a purpose question first, and then you translate that purpose into the message in your book. I love that you brought that up. I was, actually, that was my next question for you is how do you find your purpose? Because these are questions that no matter your age, you could be 15 or 65, you're still wondering, you know, who am I? Why am I here? And, and I think your purpose can change because there's different seasons in our lives where, you know, where you're young, maybe you're a student or you're in your 20s kind of discovering yourself. And then you're in your 30s and your 40s and you're building your life and your family. And then in your 50s and your 60s, you're kind of looking back and reflecting and, and building in a different way. I think it's okay realizing that your purpose is going to shift and is going to change throughout your life. But that that idea of finding it at that intersection is really cool. And uh, full disclosure, I got in trouble by Brian for using that analogy when I was writing my book, The Millennial Entrepreneur. I didn't even notice. Like, this is how often we talk about this stuff that... Oh, you want to bring yeah, that Yeah, yeah, because Brian's going over my book. And he's like, oh, where'd you get that? I... Uh, I, I'm honest, I did not even realize that I got it from Brian, but we talk about it all the time that it just became second nature to me. So he got me in trouble for plagiarism. And I was like, I don't know if that counts if I'm married to you, but um, it's okay. We'll put your name in the book, Brian. So it's, a, it's okay. But it's, I think it's a brilliant way of going about it because it really helps you get a clear grasp of who you are, what you're good at. And it's, it's not a test you have to take, you know, you don't have to get certified in it, but it's just a really good, it's a good process for it. Writing a book is so, uh, is so intertwined with this idea and art of storytelling. And I know as someone who is a former national journalist with the blaze and someone who teaches people how to become authors and storytellers, you really have a good grip on it. I've learned a lot from watching you speak as well. But what would you say is really the, the three takeaways when it comes to writing and telling stories? Let's talk about why they matter first. Stories matter because they are the true competitive advantage, especially in business. There are a lot of folks out there who may do what you do or make the same products that you make or similar products that you make. But when you combine what you do with your story, it becomes competitively unstoppable because nobody else has it. You know, we are made so uniquely with our passion, our gifts, and our talents. But our life experiences and everything we've come across or the, the lows, the highs, the triumphs, the failures, that made up such a unique story on your life. And when you combine it with what you do in the world and the marketplace, it is competitively unstoppable. That's, that's why stories matter. Now, when it comes to telling stories, I like to do something called value-driven storytelling. Value-driven storytelling. Storytelling is the kind of stuff you do if you, get, you go out with friends, you trade stories of old times, et cetera, et cetera. Value-driven storytelling is about baking what you do, what you do, what your why, what your purpose is into your story to where it becomes inseparable. One of the greatest examples of this is the story of Blendtec blenders. Blendtec blenders started by a guy, I believe he, he used to uh, engineer small engines for weed whackers and other lawn equipment. And he decided to make a blender. And he didn't have much money for a marketing budget, so he hired a guy who was a good marketer with barely any marketing budget, and they were kind of stuck. But when the marketing guy walked into his shop and he saw 
marbles. He saw two-by-fours. He saw garden rakes. He saw iPhones in shredded pieces. He knew he had something. He decided to film the inventor of Blendtec blenders blending things, asking the question, will it blend? Hashtag, will it blend? That's a value story because it's a story about how the blender was created and tested an innovation in the blending market. But you could not tell the story without talking about the blender because the blender was the value add. You see, stories matter because that story made Blendtec blenders go viral with little to no marketing budget. So the three takeaways to tell stories, understand your value. Don't avoid the setbacks in your stories. They create the greatest stories, the stories of coming from behind and ending up on top. And third, tell it consistently and make it memorable. That's so helpful. I think that reflecting on whether that's, you know, you're telling your story like your testimony to someone you're, or you're telling your story about who you are and your background in a job interview, or you could be telling a story, you know, to some friends out that you're at happy hour with. It doesn't really matter what the context is. Telling stories is something that innately connects all of us. It's really a, a second language to, to all of us, but the art of storytelling is a skill that you can really hone your entire life. So Brian, I'm so glad that you joined us today. I'm going to close this out with a question that I ask all of my guests, and I actually don't think I've ever asked you this question, so I'm very excited, very excited about this. But uh, Brian, if the 12-year-old version of you were to meet you and see everything that you're doing and see how awesome your wife is, uh, what would he say to you and what would he think about what you do? You know, that's an interesting question because I hear you ask this question of other people. And I've never took, taken the time to answer it in my head if you were to ever ask me this question. But I think when I was 12 years old, I think I wanted to be an architect. And that is nothing like what I do. Uh, I did have a very design-focused mind, and I could do those things. But I think the, um, I think the 12-year-old version of me would, uh, would, would probably be confused, like, how did that happen? Because I didn't discover my passion for communication and entrepreneurship till much later. And the broadcasting part itself was like when I was 18 years old. Uh, so I think the uh, the 12 year old version of me would be uh, probably shocked to find out that he didn't grow up to be an architect. But very excited that he married me, right? Of course, yeah. of course. See, I just had to yeah, show that yeah. in right there. Yeah, thing. he would have never thought a redhead. Never would have thought a redhead, but uh, but but you're but, welcome. Um, you're welcome in all of that. <laughs> well, you can see why I am very blessed to be married to Mr. Brian Boucher. And I'm really thankful, Brian, that you took time with me and my listeners. I know you were really busy and I had to like drag you in to to do this because I, I know you've got a bunch of other things going on, but I'm really, really thankful that you joined us and talked about your story. And I just want to acknowledge you for how you're always giving back and always providing perspective and strategy and really helping people connect the dots in their life. And I've really seen how you've impacted so many lives of people that we're very close to and that we love and people that we have no idea who they are and the impact that you've made as well. So thanks so much for, for coming on. And I, I want to have you back on. So, uh, so hopefully we'll be able to do that soon. Thanks for having me.